We've got a few things to get into today. We, we're in the midst of the Passover season. You guys having a good time this Pesach? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of really awesome things to get into. And we know Passover, it's not just one day, it's, it's a season of things. Passover, I mean, we're talking about Pesach itself, then is the, the time of unleavened bread. You guys done with matzah yet? <laughs> like we still got a few more days left, but are you done with matzah yet? <laughs> yeah, I, I know it's kind of a mixed crowd. Some are like, I like matzah, that's good. And others are like, y'all was done before we started, man. It was like, you know. <laughs> but it's good. It's good. We got the time of unleavened bread. There's spiritual lessons that are being taught to us in very physical ways, right? So we have that. And then first fruits, guys, uh, all of these things point to Yeshua. All of these things are very prophetic and talk about what happened when he came. And we know the fall Moedim talk about what's going to happen when he returns. But they all about him. And so as we go through them, the Father is teaching us about himself, about his heart, about his ways, and what he desires for us in relationship with him. Are you starting to see it's not about what you do, it's more about learning to walk with him. See, and that's what he's calling us to, is just learning to walk with him. When he brought Israel out of Mitzrayim, he said that was an act of redemption. And when he brought them out, he says, I redeemed you. And what was the first thing he did? He brought them through the sea. What was the sea? It was a mikvah. It was a baptism. It was a mikvah. And then they were coming to the other side, but uh, Pharaoh and his army, not so much, right? They were drowned. They were covered over. They went down to the mikvah, but they never came out. They didn't get that whole resurrection part of it. You know, so but we, we are resurrected in him. And so in that, then it doesn't stop there, does it? Then he brought them to the mountain to reveal his heart and himself and his word to them by his Ruach HaKodesh and uh, revealing how to walk in his ways. And he equipped them to do that so that they could go fully into the promise that he had for them. And so that's what we're in the process of doing, the time of Pesach and the counting the 50 days to Shavuot. And uh, this, this season, it's a wonderful time. But you know, sometimes... For, uh, for, for one reason or another, someone may not be able to observe one of the Moedim in their appointed times. And I'm not talking about a matter of convenience, okay, just for clarification. I'm just saying they can't, you know, think something comes up and they can't. What if someone is sick? What if you're in the hospital? What if uh, someone in your family passed? God forbid, but it happens, right? So what do you do in these situations and scenarios? Guys, Yahweh's grace, and he is merciful. He shows us he didn't forget about us. He makes a way for us to come to him. And that's the beauty of it, is he will meet us where we're at. But then there's those famous words, follow me. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to follow him. And then he gave us his word to show us how to do that. So we're going to talk a little bit today about a second Passover, the second Pesach. And that's going to be in more ways than one. And see, if you were unable to do the Pesach in the first month at the appropriate time, Yahweh said you can do it in the second month. Of course, there were stipulations on it, but he said you could do it in the second month if you missed it. But then I'm also thinking of a second Passover, as in Yeshua. He was another Passover that was for us, another time of redeeming and saving us and setting us free and bringing us out. And then I'm thinking even of another time yet to be when it'll be on a larger scale, you know, like the ultimate, you know. So we're going to get into a few of those things today, okay? You ready? Like I've been ready, all right? Well, let's get into it. Uh, a few things. Pesach, don't forget, it's about freedom. 
Okay, when we observe Passover, these are the things that we emphasize. It's about freedom. It's about setting his people free. It's about redemption. He redeems his people, okay? It's about knowing Yahweh. Not just about knowing some things about him. Not just to say knowing some things with the Torah. Guess what, guys? We need to learn the word of Yahweh. We need to learn what he says. But if that's as far as it goes, it doesn't go past here, then we got a problem. It needs to be written on your heart, which means it's not just knowledge it's a relation, okay? The information is the same, but the difference is how we treat it, see? So there we have the redemption. It's about knowing Yahweh, and it's about a commitment to his word. I mean, think about this for a minute. If, if Yahweh says, so I'm going to come down there in the midst of Mitzrayim, and I want you to, uh, to, to kill the lamb, to put the blood on the doorposts and the lentils, and I will go through Mitzrayim, and I will pass over those homes that have the blood. Guys, do you really think that Yahweh didn't know who his people were? So what was he looking for? Obedience. Because it wasn't just for, for him to see. No, it was for Mitzrayim to see. It was for the world to see that the people of Yahweh, they were untouched. Yahweh passed over them. Okay, So it was for Mitzrayim to see, and it was for obedience in there. Okay, Because what, what, what do you think would happen if someone would have said, well, I think God meant that you know, metaphorically. Metaphorically, someone would have died? No, it was real. So there, there are things that, that, that Yahweh says, I've redeemed you, I've set you free, but now I want you to follow me. That means we learn his ways and we learn to walk with him, okay? So one of the things we need to point out is that during the time leading up to Pesach, all of the plagues were a judgment on the gods of Mitzrayim. Okay, of all the gods of Egypt, of all these things, each one of, the, each one of the plagues was a judgment. What God was doing, our Elohim, he was systematically knocking down everything that they held dear. Because he said, that's not me, that's not me, that's not me, that's not me. And he showed that he was greater than man's ideology. He was greater than the way that we thought we were going to do things. And he says, nope, you don't worship that, you don't worship that, and you don't worship that. Right? Even Pharaoh himself lifted himself up as a, as, as a deity, right? And, uh, and, and Yahweh, the last plague, Yahweh said, guess what? You're not. <laughs> see? So that's one of the things. In Exodus 6.1, Yahweh says to Moshe, now you will see what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. By the way of a strong hand, he will let them go out of, out of the See, when, when Moshe first went to Pharaoh, which by the way, if you take a look in there, just as an interesting, interesting side note, most of the time when Moshe and Aaron went before Pharaoh, Aaron did most of the talking. Only a couple times did Moshe do that. It's one of those things where Hollywood didn't get it right. Yeah, one of them. So, so what we learn is that they come before Pharaoh and the God of Israel says, let my people go. Why? Consider this. Why were they supposed to go? Did it say let them go so they can go to this land called Israel? What was the very first thing, the main purpose of letting them go? So that they can go into the wilderness to worship me. The very first thing that Yahweh wanted to do with his people when he brought them out was to bring them into a place of realizing the relationship that they had with him. Okay, that was the very first thing. And so here he is, there in the midst of Mitzrayim, and he is knocking down everything that, that they thought was a god. He's like, huh, no, I am the one true Elohim, right? Okay, so what happens here? I know the print's kind of small, but I'm going to give you a lot of scripture in here today. In Exodus 9, 13 to 17, it says, Adonai says to Moshe, rise up early in the morning, stand before Pharaoh and say to him, this is what Adonai, the God of the Hebrews says, let my people go so they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues to your heart 
and on your servants and your people so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Why were the plagues? So that all would know there is none like him, right? So surely by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with the plague that would have wiped you off the earth. However, see that? However, I have let you stand for this reason. Yahweh says to tell Pharaoh, I have kept you alive for one reason and one reason only. What is it? Show you my power. <laughs> See that? To show you my power. And I've let you stay for this reason to show you my power, and my name might be proclaimed throughout all the earth. And yet, you still exalt yourself over my people by not letting them go. So Yahweh says, To show my power, he says, With a strong hand, he redeemed his people. Yahweh cannot redeem you from. Okay? All he asks is that you turn to him and follow him, learn to walk with him. And how do you do that? Do you have to have the Torah memorized to do that? No. You take it step by step. Yahweh will, will make course adjustments along the way. Take it step by step, one day at a time. As He's revealing Himself to you, make the changes. Okay, Learn to just follow Him and learn to hear His heart. Okay, it's not Because if, if not, then we can get so easily caught up in this idea that I have to get everything perfect or God's not going to receive me. It's good to want to do the right thing. But if, if that's the mentality, you miss the point. We want to follow him. We want to do right. We want to get it right. But it's not about getting it right so God will accept me. Because he says he's already deemed you, already accepted you. Now, we just need to learn to follow his heart. He'll make the adjustments. Trust me. When we mess up, he will let us know. Okay? But just make the adjustments. And if we fall, thank God we have an advocate. If we mess up, get back up. Repent and keep going. Okay? And that's just showing the heart of the Father. If a child is learning to walk and they fall and they fall once, what do they do? Stay down? Say, I'm never doing that again. No. Get back up and keep walking, right? Okay. So, uh, Exodus 12, 12 says, I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. I am Adonai. So see that? Everything they held as a deity, Yahweh says, I'm striking them down. Okay, I'm striking them all down. So what were the plagues? What were the plagues? We just did this at the Seder, right? Though there's no cup of wine in front of you, you know, but <laughs> you get the idea, right? What are the, what are the ten plagues? It was the water turning to blood, the frogs, lice, flies, the livestock pestilence, the boils, the hail, locusts, darkness, and the death of the firstborn, right? I'm not going to go through all these and all the names of these, but each one of the plagues, there was a deity that they held dear that God was judging, okay? Like the water turning to blood, the Nile was known as a, as a god, as a deity, and it was known to have prosperity. Well, guess what? God caused it to be death, okay? Frogs, a goddess of the childbirth and fertility in ancient Egypt and was depicted as a frog. So, frogs, lice or gnats from dust. Again, there was an Egyptian god of the earth. Guess what? No, there wasn't. <laughs> Yahweh proved himself. And the same thing with the flies and the livestock and the boils and the hail and the locusts and the darkness and the death of the firstborn. It was all there, guys. Yahweh did it all. And, and, and the same with Yeshua when he came and did what he did. He laid his life down and his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So he, had, he proved he had power over the grave and everything that this world thinks has control. He showed he is Yahweh. He is the one who is sovereign over the universe and is anything too difficult for him. Yeshua spoiled principalities and powers. We see in Colossians 2.15, it says, after disarming the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over. What happened in, in, in Mitzrayim? 
Yeshua did when he laid his life down and resurrected. So we observe Pesach. Why? Because I have to. Why do we observe Pesach? Because it's a time of remembrance. Because we're told to, yes. It's a time of remembrance that we, we remember and we observe and we do because Yahweh does for his people. It's not just what he did so long ago, but it's what he is doing in the lives of his people day by day by day and year after year. We're acknowledging he is the one true God. We are acknowledging he delivers. We're acknowledging he saves, he restores, he draws his people into a place of covenant. We're acknowledging the goodness of him. And it's done as a remembrance year after year after year. Why? Because like the Shema, right? Deuteronomy 6, and you shall teach it to your children. Guys, if you are not teaching your children what the word of Yahweh says, they won't. If you're not teaching it to them, somebody else is going to be teaching them something else. And that's why the scripture says, how do you teach your children the word of Yahweh? And as much as we say you want to sit down with the scriptures and read it, yes, do that. But that's not the strongest impact, isn't it? You know what the strongest impact is? Living it. Living it. It says, and you shall talk about it when? When you're lying down and you're rising up, when you're walking along the way, when you're coming in the house, when you're coming out the house, when you're walking down the road, when you're eating your Fruit Loops, right? Not during Passover, though. It's like, in all of these things, you are, are showing your children how to live because they're seeing what's important to you. And your, what your children see as important to you is what they will learn to hold important to them. Okay? And ultimately, yes, there's a time coming in our life where each one of us has to make a decision for our own, but you are teaching your children that this is important. And that's why it's done year after year after year. The biggest thing, of, the biggest thing of, the, of doing a Seder is just that. It's an observance to remember what Yahweh does for us and teach it to us. In Exodus 12, verses 12 to 14, it says, I will go through the land of Egypt that night and strike down the firstborn, both men and animals. I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt. The blood will be for you on, on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. So there will be no plague among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day is to be a memorial for you. See that? This day is to be a memorial for you. What does a memorial mean? See, I, I don't think we know the, the best definition. We say a memorial means you look at a calendar, you go, oh yeah, that's today, you know? Or if it's a national holiday, we get a day off, right? Is that what, it, is that what, all, what it's all about? No. A memorial means you look and you acknowledge what happened this day, and then therefore you do something because of it. It's not just a, a physical, uh, or not just rather a, a mental acknowledgement. You're doing something because of what happened. So because Yahweh delivered us, we do this day, okay? So again, you keep it as a feast to Adonai. Keep it as a feast to who? To Yahweh. Keep it as a feast to Him. Okay? It's not just something we're saying we're doing this just for these people or these people. No, we're doing it because Yahweh says it belongs to Him. It's His, and it pleases Him to come before Him this way. So to keep it to Yahweh throughout your generations, and you are to keep it as a, what's those last two words? Eternal ordinance. So the question is, uh, how long does eternal mean? I mean, does eternal mean like, I know, eternal means until Messiah comes, right? No. Eternal means as long as there is time, we're going to be doing this, okay? So it is something that is done year after year after year. So moving to Numbers 9, uh, verses 1 through 5, I says to Moshe in the Sinai wilderness, in the first month of the second year, one full year has passed. They're in the first month of the second year. 
And so after they came out of the land of Egypt, and he says uh, to tell B'nai Israel to observe Passover at its appointed time. You are to celebrate it at its appointed time at twilight on the 14th day of the month with all its rules and regulations. So Moshe told B'nai Israel to observe Passover, and they celebrated Passover at twilight on the 14th day of the first month in the Sinai wilderness according with all the Adonai commands of Moshe, so B'nai Israel did. What they're doing is as they came out, they weren't in the land yet, but Yahweh says, I want you to observe the Passover in, in this time year after year after year so that you don't forget why you are where you are. Think about this, guys. It's never a bad idea to look back to see how far God has brought you. Sometimes it's good to look back and to see what he's brought you through because it reminds us that whatever we're going through now, he can do it again, right? But the problem is if you keep looking back and you stay looking back, you're going to start seeing things differently. And, you're, you're, and most often when you keep looking back and you stop looking forward, you're going to start seeing things back there that you're going to like, think about when they were in the wilderness. Oh, if we were only back in Mitzrayim where they had the garlic and the leeks and the fish. Really? They were also killing you and, and killing your kids. But, you know, I'll give that up for some good fish with garlic, right? I don't think so, right? So, so he, we need to look back to see what Yahweh has done for us, but we also need to keep looking forward to where he's telling us to, to walk. Okay. Matter of fact, if you keep looking back and you try to walk forward, what's going to end up happening? Yeah, you're going to run something, okay? And, and that's not good either. So what we're learning to do is we're learning to follow him. We're learning to walk in his ways, which we see in Deuteronomy 6, verses 20 to 25. He says, oh, so when your son asks you in a time to come, saying, what are these testimonies and the statutes and the ordinances that Adonai, our God, commanded you? Then you are to tell your son, we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and Adonai brought us out from Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, Adonai showed signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt, on Pharaoh, and all the house. And he brought us out from there so that he might bring us in to give us the land that he swore to our fathers. Adonai commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear Adonai, our God, for our good always. See that? For why? Why does Yahweh say, I want you to do what I'm, at, what I'm telling you? For our good, for our good always, to keep us alive as, as it is the case this day. And it will be righteousness to us if we take care to do all this commandment before Adonai our God, just as he has commanded us. Consider this, uh, Rav Shaul, he's saying, that which you submit yourself to, you serve. I mean, truthfully, that makes perfect sense. That which you're turning your heart and your life and everything you're turning to, that's what you're serving day by day by day, whether to sin or whether to righteousness. The, the things where we keep our focus, and the, uh, that's what tells us what we're doing every day. Where we turn our highs, where we turn our heart, where we turn our focus, that will have, affect our decisions. That will affect how we're walking. And that has a big impact on our life and on, on our goals and those around us as well. Okay? First Chronicles 16. 11 to 17 says, Seek Adonai and his strength, always seek his presence. Remember the wonders that he has done, his signs and his spoken judgments. You descendants of Israel, his servant, you offspring of Yaakov, his chosen ones. He is Adonai, our God. His judgments are everywhere on the earth. Remember his covenant forever. The word he commanded to a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Avraham, the oath he swore to Yitzhak, and he establishes the law for Yaakov and for Israel as an everlasting covenant. So again, here in Chronicles, we're reminded the goodness of Yahweh, the covenants that he keeps, and to learn his word and walk in it. Set our face to him, that we're seeking him, we're seeking his heart and all of these. So what happens if we want to do Passover, but what happens if we missed it? I mean, I'm not saying like we're not just paying attention or it's just not convenient or whatever. No, I'm saying legitimate reasons, it just could not be observed. What happened? 
Guys, Yahweh made a provision and he made a way for that. That's why I'm saying it's the goodness and the grace of Yahweh that says, I have a place for you. And and heart is to walk with me. That can happen. And Yahweh is showing us again in these things. Okay? So the second Passover, was this still in Egypt? No. No, it was not. Okay? Was this for people that were left behind in Egypt, the second Passover? And so they went through, and they all came out, and then God said, oh, well, there were some that stayed behind, so let's rewind and do these ten plagues again. Is that what happened? No. So what's this about? Okay? Was this for the, for the people who wanted to stay in Egypt but now changed their minds? No. No, it wasn't. This was for the people who had been redeemed, but they were unable to observe at the appointed time. There were people who were brought out, but they could not observe at the appointed times, at the appropriate times. So does that mean because they couldn't do it, now they're cut off from all of God's people? No. Because we read about Pesach, we see that the one who doesn't observe, he says that if you don't observe, this person will be cut off. It's like, okay, so now what happens? I I missed it. Now what do I do? That's what we're going to get into. Yah made a way. Okay? Why the second Passover? We already saw uh, Numbers 9, 1 through 5. We already read that. But... Israel kept Pesach in the wilderness. That's what we read, right? But what if they could not? So what, in what way could they not? Okay, if, if, even if future observances were hindered, how would these people be able to observe? Would they, could they at all? That's what's addressed here. So to, for the answer, we go to Numbers 9, 6 to 13. It says, however, there were some men who could not celebrate Passover because of being defiled by a dead body. So they came to Moshe and Aaron on the same day. And these men said to him, we've become unclean because of a dead man's body. Why should we be kept from presenting the offering of Adonai at the appointed time with the rest of Bnei Israel? And Moshe answered them and said, wait, wait, and I will inquire what Adonai commands concerning you. And then Adonai spoke to Moshe and he said, verse 10, say to Bnei Israel, saying, if any man, whether you or your descendants, becomes unclean because of a dead body or is away on a long journey, he may not observe Adonai's Passover. They are to celebrate it at twilight on the 14th day of the, what? Second month. So one month later, on the same day, right, on the 14th going into the 15th, same day, one month later. And they are to observe it uh, with matzot and bitter herbs, and they are to eat it. So again, you're still having the lamb, the matzot, the bitter herbs, and, and still acknowledging Yahweh redeemed us. He brought us out and did all that. They are not to leave any of it until morning or break any of its bones. When they celebrate Passover, they are to observe all its regulations. But the person who is clean and not away on a journey, yet neglects to celebrate Passover, that soul will be cut off from his people because that person did not present Adonai's offering at the appointed time. That man will bear his sin. What they're saying is, so if Israel, if they could, if they could not come and, and, and be a part of this, if they were unclean or if they were uh, away, they just could not be, make that, okay? Again, like I said, it's not a matter of convenience. It's a matter of, I want to, but I can't. See, for whatever situation, I want to, I just... And Yahweh says, okay, so do that the next month at the right time. And we see an example when this was done. When was this done? Second Chronicles 30. 106. Hezekiah, of course, Hezekiah, he's, he's kind of cleansing the land and, and, and returning the people back to Yahweh, right? So Hezekiah, he sent word to all Israel and Judah, and they all wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh to come to the house of Adonai at Jerusalem to keep the Passover of Adonai, the God of Israel. The king and his officials and the entire congregation in Jerusalem had decided to celebrate Passover in the second month. Why in the second month? Because that was the provision. That's what Yahweh said. That if, if it was missed and it couldn't be done, do it in the second month. And they were not able to celebrate it at the regular time since not enough Kohanim had consecrated themselves and had the people assembled in Jerusalem. The matter seemed right in the eyes of the king and the entire community. 
Go to verse 5. So they decided to issue a decree and proclaim it throughout all Israel from Beersheba to Dan, calling on the people to come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover for Adonai, the God of Israel. For it had not been celebrated as prescribed for a long time. See that? There was a long time they had not been able to celebrate it. But the, the king came in and he was acting righteously. He was cleansing the land, calling the people back to Yahweh and saying, let's, let's honor him, Right? So verse 6, at the king's command, the couriers went through all Israel and Judah, and they sent le the letters through the king's officials and saying, you men of Israel, turn back to Adonai. That's repentance, right? The Shuvah is to turn back, to repent, to come home, literally. So they're coming back home, the return to Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, and he will return to the remnant of you who escaped from the hand of the kings of Assyria. So he's saying, turn to Yahweh, he will turn to you and bring you back and restore you. But just repent, right? Okay, go down, uh, chapter th uh, 30, verses 9 to 13. If you return to Adonai, your brothers and children will receive compassion before their captors and will return to this land, for Adonai your God is compassionate and merciful. He will not turn his face away from you if you return to him. Guys, that was just as true today as it was then. Yahweh will not turn away from you if you turn to him. If you repent, he will meet you there. And all the things that we've messed up before and all the things where we haven't been able to do anything, if we've just lived for our own way and done whatever, we turn to him. Doesn't, Yahweh doesn't say he's not going to turn to you. If you repent, he's there. That's why the scripture says he is faithful and just to forgive. But that doesn't mean so now that he's forgiven, you go on and do your own thing anyway. Now that he forgives, what did Yeshua tell the woman? Your sins are forgiven you and go and sin no more. See, so now that he forgives, learn to walk with him, right? Okay, so now, uh, where am I at? So they went, and he is merciful, and as the couriers traveled from town to town through the country of Ephraim and Manasseh, as far as Zebulun, how did the people respond? They were scorned and mocked. The king is calling people to return to Yahweh, to repent for the things that they've done, to come back and, and to be restored and keep Passover, and they were scorned and mocked, such as many of the prophets. People don't like being called back to, to repent. People don't like being called back to turn from our ways and keep our hearts focused on Yahweh. So what happened? Nevertheless, some men from Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. And the hand of God was also on Judah to give them one heart to do what the king and the officials commanded by the word of Adonai. Now a very large assembly gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Matzot in the second month. Okay, uh, verses 18 to 20. Although a great multitude of the people, many of them are from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun had not purified themselves. Why? They hadn't had the opportunity yet. So they, they had not purified themselves, but they still ate the Passover lamb, contrary to what is written. But Hezekiah prayed for them. May Adonai, who is good, atone for everyone who prepares his heart to seek Adonai, the God of his fathers, even though he is not pure according to the rules of the sanctuary. And what did Yahweh do? Adonai heard Hezekiah, and he healed his people. See, Yahweh says, these are the things that I want you to do, and this is how I want you to do them, and all that. But if the people couldn't keep it just perfectly, does that mean God doesn't hear their cry? Does that mean God doesn't hear their heart? No, he did. He heard their cry. They were, they were humbling themselves and coming back in a place of repentance. And you know what? So they weren't able to keep it perfectly this year. There's always next year. Especially if he says, okay, you, you, you did what you could. You didn't make excuses for it, but you did what you could. If we repent move on. He'll continue to draw us to himself. He'll continue to make a way. It's not like I messed up and now God's not going to have anything to do with me ever again. No. If you repent, he is faithful. Just keep walking with him, right? 
There is another Pesach. There's another Pesach we're talking about. Yeshua came to set the captives free, right? And then we answer the call to follow me. And, and this is what we look at. For Yeshua, he came to set people free. What was Passover? Redemption, freedom, setting people free from their oppression. Guys, he came to set us free from the bondage of, of, of sin and death and, and just living in this fallen world and, and being caught up in it. He came to show us how to live a life in the kingdom, to live a life in his way, to be a people set apart. Because that's how he said you are. He said, be holy because I am holy. He didn't say, try to be holy because I am holy. See the difference? He said, be holy because I am holy. You know what that means? You're holy because he is holy. It doesn't mean be holy and try to work it out because I'm holy. And if you can't get holy enough, then you're just going to have to stay away. Be holy because he is holy. We're in covenant with him. He is the one who makes us. He is the one who does that. All he asked us to do, again, is just to learn to follow him. Learn to walk with him. And that's being set apart. Then we do learn to do that every day, right? John 10, 27 to 30, Yeshua says, my sheep do what? My sheep hear my voice. The phrase hear my voice is synonymous with be obedient, right? And we saw that at Mount Sinai, same thing. He says, if you indeed hear my voice, what he says is, is to Shema, literally. To hear my voice is to be obedient. So if my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they what? Follow me. Follow me. And I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. So see, Yeshua came to set the people free and he came to, to work redemptively to, to, to restore us to a place of covenant. And that's what Passover was. The people cried out. Yahweh says, I hear their cries and I'm going to deliver them. What did Yeshua do? He came and delivered you. How many people cried out to Yeshua and he's like, eh, eh, no, I'm not sure, no. So again, he came to set. And that symbolizes Passover. Matter of fact, his whole death, burial, and resurrection was all around what time? Passover. Is that coincidence? I don't think so. A targum pseudo-Jonathan for Shemot in Exodus 12.42. What is a targum? A targum is a, was an Aramaic translation of the, of the Hebrew scripture. Okay, it was a translation that was done in like the common people language, right? So this was done after the fact, many different, many, different, you know, many years. So they took the Torah, they took the prophets, they took the writings, and they and they translated it. So that's what it was. The Targum Pseudo Jonathan was written in uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, it was it was coming out of Jerusalem. So it gives us the idea. I don't consider the Targums actually scripture because it is a translation. Okay, but. It gives us the idea of what the people of the time believe. There's some good stuff in it, because it does show us. You know, it's kind of like as things get removed from the source, you lose some context, don't you? In order to find out what something really says, you need to go back to the source. That's what it's what we're doing when we're looking back, even how the people understood the scriptures. Closer to the time, the closer we get to the time that Yeshua was here, we have a, a different understanding of some different passages of scripture, don't we? You know, that's the idea we're looking at. So for context. Exodus 12, 42, it says, It was this is a night of watching for Adonai to bring them out of the land of Egypt. The same night is a night of vigil for Adonai for all B'nai Israel throughout their generations. So for all the children of Israel throughout their generations, this is a night to pay attention, right? So in the Targum Pseudo Jonathan, it says this, There are four nights where there are, or four nights are written in the book of memorials before the Yahweh of the world. The first, when he was revealed in creating the world. The second, when he was revealed to Avram. The third, when he was revealed in Mitzrayim, his hand killing all the firstborn of Mitzrayim, and his right hand saving the firstborn of Israel. So that's three. What would the fourth be? The fourth, when he will yet be revealed 
to liberate the people of the house of Israel from among the nations. When the end of the age will be accomplished, that it might be dissolved and the bands of wickedness destroyed and the iron yoke broken. Moshe came forth from the midst of the desert, but the king Mashiach comes from the midst of Rome. Where did Yeshua come from? Who ruled in the area in the day that you we're not talking about like literally Rome we're talking about who had sovereign the cloud preceded that and the cloud will go before this one and the word of the Lord will lead between both and they will proceed together this is the the night of Pesach before the Lord to be observed and celebrated by the sons of Israel and all their generations what they're saying is that this is a night to it's Passover when the Mashiach will come forth and people will be delivered. Guys, again, when Yeshua did what he did, what time was Passover? Consider what that means. It was a redeeming us and setting us and equipping us so that we could live this life as overcomers. Look, there's a day coming when Yahweh will gather all of his people to him. Uh, you know, when, when they came out of Mitzrayim, they all came to the mountain. There's a day coming where Yahweh will again gather all of his. We're not there yet. People are gathering all over the world in places, you know, like here's a little pocket, right? And all over the world, they're gathering together in different places, but there's a day coming where we will all be gathered together. We'll remain there. Isaiah 56, 3 says, Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to Yahweh saying, Yahweh will surely separate me from his people. Let not the eunuch say, Behold, I'm a dry tree. He's saying, even those who are not born part of Israel, Yahweh had covenant with, the, with Israel. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel is how he identified himself. So he is the God of Israel. So if you're not part of Israel, how do you stand with that? How do you have a place in that? Because Yahweh has brought you in to be a part with the people of Israel in a position of covenant. Guys, Romans 11 says you're grafted in to be part of that part of that people. Isaiah 56, 6 to 8, it says, Even the foreigners who joined themselves to Adonai, this is even people who are not Israel who repented. Even the foreigners who joined themselves to Adonai to serve him, to love the name of Adonai, to be his workers, all who keep Shabbat do not profane it and hold fast to my covenant. I will bring them to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all people. And Adonai Elohim says, He who gathers Israel's exiles, there are yet others I will gather besides those gathered already. You know, how many of you have heard that before? Where Yeshua says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all people, right? It's like when he started flipping over tables and... And, and it's like, yeah, right? But guess what? Did you ever stop to go back and look at the context of what he was quoting from? He's quoting from the context of saying, even the foreigners, even the people of all the nations who come and keep Shabbat and honor the covenant of Yahweh, they turn to him and they come to him. He says that all of these can be in my house of prayer. And then he says, as the point, there are other people who I need to gather that aren't here. There are other people in the world that I need to bring in and gather together and to, and to bring to. And that's what, that's what Yeshua was trying to emphasize, a place of compassion, a place of honor. A place. Ephesians 2, 11 to 14 says, Therefore, remember your former state, Gentiles. Guys, this is why it says in the scripture, so there's no more Jew or Gentile, right? It, but it's like, okay, so there's like literally no more Jew and Gentile. He also says neither male nor female. Same part. You see my point? What he's getting here is stop seeing yourself as a people divided. In Him, we are all one. It doesn't matter where we came from. It doesn't matter where, where, we're, where we are. It, it just, in, in Him, we're all one people. And that is our identity. That is what we've been drawn in. A place of covenant with Him as His people. And that's what He says here. 
He says that you were without the Messiah, because you were without the Messiah, you were estranged from the national life of Israel, from the commonwealth of Israel. You were foreigners to the covenants embodying God's promise, and you were in the world without hope and without God. But now in the blood of Messiah, you who were far are now brought near. But we, we lose that, that message. We say those who were far are brought near, but we forget what we're saying. We're being brought near to, to be a part of. What are we a part of? The commonwealth of Israel. Not replacing anybody joining in alongside with to be a part of his people it says for he himself is our shalom and he has made us both one and has broken down the mechitza, the wall the, the the curtain that has divided us. in him we don't need to be division in him ezekiel 36 looking at the whole context is verses 37 to 37 14 not reading all that but in 37 12 it says therefore prophesy and say to them adonai elohim says my people i will open your graves and make you go out, out of your graves and do what? Where are you going? Bring you to the land of Israel. He says, I'm going to bring you out of your graves and bring you back to the land of Israel. And then he starts talking about this valley of dry bones and everything else and bringing all of Israel together. See that? He says, though you were dead, I'm going to resurrect you and I'm going to bring you back to me. Guys, why do you think the new Jerusalem is called the new Jerusalem? <laughs> He's bringing us all back there. Bring us all back to the Matthew 27, 50 to 54. Yeshua, again, crying in a loud voice, yielded up his spirit. And at that moment, the parachet in the temple was ripped in two from top to bottom. And there was an earthquake and the rocks splitting apart. And the graves were opened and the bodies of many holy people who died were raised to life. Ever see that one before? What happened to them? I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. But it happened. Because what does it say? Verse 53. After Yeshua rose, they came out of the graves and went into the holy city where many people saw them. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yosef? <laughs> Is that you? <laughs> I haven't seen you in 10 years. <laughs> you look great. <laughs> and when the Roman officer and those with him who were keeping watch over Yeshua saw the earthquake and what was happening, they were awestruck. He said he really was the son of God. Yeshua, and we read other scriptures as well recently. Ah, forgive me, I can't remember the. The, the reference to it now, but he says that your people will live, your dead will live, my dead body. It's in the tonight. He's saying, so when Yeshua came and he died and was resurrected, he is truly, as he said, the resurrection. And that's why Job says that though I die in my flesh. John 5, 24 to 29. So yes, indeed, I tell you that whoever hears what I'm saying and trusts the one who sent me has eternal life. That is, he will not come up for judgment, but has already crossed over from death to life. Indeed, I tell you that there is coming a time, in fact, it's already here, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will come to life. For just as the Father has life in himself, so he has given the Son life to have in himself. Verse 27. And he has also given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. So don't be surprised at this, because the time is coming when all who are in the grave will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to a resurrection of life, he lives. Ezekiel 37, 13 says, Then you will know that I am Adonai. All the world will know who he is. Then you will know that I am Adonai. When? When I have opened your graves and made you get up out of your graves, my people. This is for us even today, guys. The ways of the world is death and unclean. But in Yahweh's life, there is, there is something worth living for. Yeshua said, I come that they may have life, and have life how? Abundantly. He's saying, I've come that they may have life and have a life that's worth living. They may come and have a life that is full of the presence. So what I'm asking today is don't get caught in the ways of the world. 
Don't get caught in just the ways of saying we just live and then it's the grave. Live in a way that Yahweh has called us to live here. I mean, we even pray, you know, on earth as it is in heaven, right? It's not poetry. It's what we want. (laughs) And so we're praying, Yahweh, let your life, let your will, let your heart be established in my life, in my family, in my home, and in my community. And let me do what I need to do to be a part of me. And we do that by how we, the things that are important to us, day, that shows that we're following him. And then we're looking at this, Revelation 3, 11 and 12. Yeshua says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. The one who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he will never, and on him, I will write the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which has come out of heaven from my God and my own. When we come to him, old things have passed away. All things are. So when we come to him, don't try to live the new the way you live. Come to him, sit at his feet for listen to, learn to follow, and then just start to Who knows who was watching you to see the testament of the God that you let us be a people truly as Yeshua following our example to help open blind eyes, to help set the captives, to help bring life and to help show Yahweh he's calling you to live outside, to live. Amen.